It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 13th of November. A bloodbath of a basketball game, a grinder in Memphis, and the Jazz pull off the win. We'll look at it and how impressive it was. The brilliant defense of Marcus Ole, Rudy Gobert, and whether Mike Conley might be too conservative, plus a look around the league. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Great to be with you today. Coming to you from Dallas as the Jazz get the win last night against Memphis. We'll break it down, give you our regular preview of or review of games. We'll talk about some of the other things taking place with the Jazz uh, around the league and the rest on your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Locked on Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers about the Jazz. Hope you're great. Today's show brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai and Grip6. I like the fact that we have, like, grip6.com slash lock. Makes me think it's all cool. All right, let's review last night's win over the Jazz. I thought last night was really a tribute to how great defensively Marcus Gasol and Rudy Gobert both are. That, that's my takeaway from last night is in a league that's talking about offense all the time, two defensive players completely dominated last night's game. Uh, the Jazz offensive rating last night was a 98.8, their fourth worst offensive game of the year. <clears throat> they, there's no way you should win a game with a 98.8 offensive rating, and yet they did. The only time the Jazz have been worse all season long was against Memphis, against Denver. Uh, so I guess it was actually our third worst defensive game of the year. Memphis and Denver we're the only times we've had worse. Denver, we just simply couldn't make a shot, ran out of gas. And Memphis last night, <clears throat> in the previous in the game after the Warriors against Memphis, we couldn't shoot. Last night, we actually uh, didn't. I mean, that was just. But Marcus Soul is that good. I am utterly convinced that Marcus Soul watched film of Donovan Mitchell last night before the game. He knew every move, every drive, every angle. We had an interesting perspective on the game last night. We're baseline lower bowl. So we're on the baseline far side from the Jazz. We're uh, off the baseline. like We're behind the benches. And so we're looking down at the Jazz from behind. It was almost like we were at the goalpost watching behind the Jazz offense in a football game. And we were kind of at the, a height where you could see. And you could see Donovan Mitchell start his move in what looked like it was space. And then Marcus Gasol cut it off. I was just having coffee with Vince, uh, one of our assistants, and he was talking about how Marcus Gasol never steps forward. Like the mistake big guys get, make is they instinctually step out. Marcus Gasol always steps in. Like, Marcus Gasol is not in a mismatch and in a disadvantage anytime he's near the rim. If Marcus Gasol gets caught, you know, at 40, 30 feet out on the floor, he is, but he never goes that way. He lures everybody into him where he has the advantage. 
and he he was just brilliant last night. Uh, and he's been brilliant for Memphis all year long. That's that's why they're the number two defensive team in the league. He lured the Jazz into 14 paint non-restricted area shots last night. 14. That is a lot. The Jazz had 17 against Minnesota. They had 16 against Memphis last time. The, that, those are the Jazz shoot 30 percent on those shots. 30 percent on shots that are in the paint, non-restricted area. We took our regular seven or eight mid-range shots. That's all we ever take. We are shooting 39%, just like the league average. We got another night, our fifth straight night of at least 10 corner threes. The Jazz are number one in the NBA in percentage of shots as corner threes and percentage of threes as corner threes. It's great. It's, 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 it's Quinn Snyder using the Jazz offense to its maximum. This is not a particularly talented offensive team. Like, if we're really, if I'm being hypercritical or honest, depending your point of view, and if I'm talking to the fan base of the team, I'm probably being hypercritical. If I'm talking to a scout from another team, I'm probably being honest. But the Jazz have a high-usage, dynamic scoring threat who's yet to be efficient in Donovan. We have a superb playmaking wing and great shooter in Joe Ingles. Our starting point guard who does a lot of things well and creates for other people and sees the floor and is a terrific leader is like, I mean, I could go to cleaning the glass and use stats instead of opinion which would probably be better if I'm going to say this, but I think Ricky Rubio is in the third percentile, like right now, seventh percentile of points per scoring attempt for players at his position. His effective field goal percentage is in the second percentile. We're playing two bigs in a world that's spaced that heck, Derek is six of his last 10 from corner three. So, you know, like, we're living off offensive rebounds and spacing and correct shot distribution, and it's really kind of awesome. Like, this is not a, a, like, New Orleans, Drew Holiday, breakdown point guard, Anthony Davis, most unguardable player, a bunch of great spot. Like, that team, like, look, you look at it and you're like, okay, I can see that as an offensive juggernaut. We're not that team. So, what Quinn's doing and what these guys are executing is this perfection of shot distribution, perfection of use of talent. So your threat is Rudy rolling, which is a big-time offensive threat. You know I've never dismissed that at all. To the rack, hard, spacing to the corners and getting 11.5% of your shots as corner threes. It's big time. It's pretty interesting to understand how... Strong what the Jazz are doing there is. So last night, 4 of 10 on the corner threes. Above the break, 5 of 21. Another brutal above-the-break shooting night. But you just shot 24% on above-the-break threes. You know when you did that earlier this year? You did that against Houston. Excuse me, did that against Denver. You had a below 30% night against New Orleans. You did it against Memphis. It's hard to win that way. And the Jazz are finding a, find a way to win on a shooting night like that. Now... Memphis was had an equally as bad shooting night. 
some of that is because you had two of the great defensive players in the NBA out there taking away <clears throat> everything you naturally want to get around the rim and around the basket, forcing you to play out to the threes. I mean, Quinn told the guys when the night started, you took 35 threes against him tonight, you might take 45 tonight. Just get him. If you get an open look, take it. We just didn't knock him down. But they didn't either. Thank goodness. Right? Memphis last night had a brutal shooting night. And we took advantage and got the win. Um, but the but the core of Memphis last night, by the way, 0 of 4 on corner threes. Why? Again, because our system is so good that we don't allow you to get And 4 of 20 on above the break threes. Last team that was that bad was Dallas went 3 of 18 against us. We allowed 28 shots at the rim, which is a <clears throat> little high for us. Right now we are defensively, I believe this is updated. Um, I'll have to check that. I don't know if that is updated. I don't think that is updated. I think we're the fifth best at allowing denying the rim and tenth best at denying the three coming in last night. I think I'd be surprised if it's still the same. But so that's so that's the game last night, and then the you know, and then the from a number standpoint, that's the game last night. They just really, in a lot of ways, what last night was 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 almost trench warfare, and there just aren't a lot of teams that can go into Memphis, play that game with Memphis, and win. That's that's what was cool about last night's win by the Jazz. Is that. When Memphis is going to come in here and they are going to just, everybody else is playing one style. They're going to play a different style. They're going to try to, and they're going to muck the game up and, and grind on you. And I mean, the officiating was bad, I thought, both ways last night, but that might just be because there was a foul on every single possession, right? And then you're out of rhythm. And then you get, Jazz only got 34 open looks last night. They only made nine of them. Dante hit three of them. Favors hit four of them. Joe Ingles hit two of them. Everybody else was 0 for on uncontested looks. ABO for four, five Crowder 0 for four, Ricky 0 for four, Donovan 0 for three. And on their side, they were 15 of 39. They actually shot their open looks better than we did. That's a game you should lose, frankly. These type of shooting numbers, if you don't have a great defense at night, you lose. This is a game. It's this is a game that very few other people could beat. Memphis. This is a game that maybe only Utah could win. Like we can phrase it either way you want. Only six screen assists last night by the Jazz. Deflections, only nine. Two by Favors, two by Donovan, two by A.B. Contested shots, 17 by Rudy, 15 by Favors. Memphis, 16 deflections, seven loose ball recoveries. Jay Crowder had three loose ball recoveries last night. So that's your that's your geeky number look at last night. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the things. Dante was great last night with his way he bounced back. Uh, we'll touch on that and um, some other aspects, and some Mike Conley's overly conservative play. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Grip6 Belts. Let me tell you the backstory about me and Grip6. It's really cool, though. Grip6.com slash lock. You know, my ego just needs it, I guess. Like, you know, I'm, I've never been one to hide that, like, you know, I'm, I'm a narcissist. No, I'm not a narcissist. I'm an egotist. Um, they're very different. I, I, never mind. I was about to say more than I should. Um, 
So the backstory on Grip6 is Keenan reached out to me a while back, told me about this company. Hey, it's a Utah company. We make these indestructible belts. They're really cool. They have no uh, flap. They have no holes. They fit perfectly. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Send me one. Let me try it out. And I really didn't think much of it. And then I got it, and now I've sent it to everyone. Now it's like, you know, everyone has their gift. Like, if we stay at someone's house, we send them Grater's ice cream. We now send them Lockalone coffee. But we always have our, like, cycle of things. Mine, for anyone, like, shows guests that come on the show, people I owe a thank you to, it's the Grip 6 belt. Because it fits everyone. It's cool because the belt buckle and the straps are interchangeable, so you can wear them in numerous ways. It's different, and when you no one else has it, and so when you get it, at first you're like, what? And then you start to wear it and realize it's totally awesome, the fact that it cinches perfectly and does, and is clean, and the strap is under in the back, so it's not flapping out. And uh, it's great. You can get the classic pack, 33% off, three buckles, three straps for $89. And you can, or you can get 20% off. Go to grip6.com slash lock. That's grip6.com slash lock. I just got my dad the, use- oh wait, he might be listening to the show. Um, and then I would have given up my Christmas present. So my dad will be getting a new buckle for his, one of his Christmas presents. Uh, by the way, they have the men's labyrinth belt uh, right on that site. That's one of my favorites because um, it's got the carbon fiber. Really cool. They have an American black f- American flag one that's really cool as well. All right. That, my friends, is grip6.com. Slash lock. Slash lock, of course. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. I thought Dante drives the basket in the third quarter last night, gets caught underneath, throws the ball back out underneath. It's basically an outlet pass for a slam dunk for Memphis. And Rubio's in foul trouble, but I'm like, oh, we're going to Donovan, point guard Alec at the two, and we're not seeing Dante for weeks. I mean, that was truly my thought at that moment, was we're not seeing Dante. And Quinn does the opposite. Quinn calls a timeout, and Dante comes back into the game, and... Shows a resiliency and a fight that's just awesome. I mean, really, really awesome. He made three plays. It's exactly what you want from Dante. He made three plays that changed the game. He added a pace to the game. He added a tempo to the game. 
<clears throat> his defense picking up Shelvin. Shelvin Mack had torched the Jazz in the two previous games, and the Jazz were playing off of him a little bit because he's not a great shooter. And it somehow gave Sheldon this feeling of comfort and vibe, and 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 he was rolling. And then all of a sudden, Dante now picked Shelvin up at 70 feet, and Shelvin had no rhythm. And Memphis couldn't get into their stuff. And Memphis plays slow, and then they were really playing slow. So Dante just changed the entire game. He's still, and I, I, his warts, when he has them right now, are so egregious for an NBA player. And it's like the drive against Boston, he gets caught in the air and throws the ball into the third row. The drive last night where he gets caught in the air with no idea where to go because his speed and his read, his speed's so fast and he can't read it in time, and he basically threw the outlet pass from Memphis to start the fast break. Like, they're, they're, let's not underestimate that when that's a live ball turnover going the other way, that's what AP used to do. Those are really painful. Like, it's hard to finish with a positive plus minus on a night when you make one or two of those turnovers in a night. Like, that's where plus-minus is valuable. Because it's not just... The one into the stands, frankly, is not that bad a play because a dead ball turnover is not is the best defensive possession the other way. Uh, I'd rather have him drive, get caught in the air, and throw the ball into the guy in the fifth row. Like, far rather have that. Like, here's a classic story Vince Garza was telling. I think he went to Miami, Ohio. And they were playing Kentucky in an early season game. And... Um, their coach, they were at Rupp Arena, and they were practicing, and they were, the coach, the last thing the coach did at practice was took the guys, had them drive to the basket, and throw the ball into the crowd. And everyone's like, what are we doing? And the coach's point was, if you turn the ball over, John Wall is going to run down your throat so fast and outlet to DeMarcus Cousins for a dunk that you're going to get blown out. But if we can set our defense, we can slow these guys down if we keep them in the half court. And so what they literally did was basically if they got late in a shot clock, they would just take the 24 in college, I guess 35-second shot clock violation, and move on. And they end up losing by two. And they did this drill where they drove to the basket and literally threw the ball like 10 rows into the crowd just to emphasize, like, don't try to make the pass. It leads to the fast break the other way. I mean, it's, it's a pretty brutal mistake when you make it. So Dante made that last night and came back with just such a fabulous resiliency and play and approach to the game. I thought that was really cool. Uh, if we're talking about last night's game, Joe Ing, I just saw Joe, talk to him for a few minutes. Um, he is His eye is swollen. His body is hurting. He is beat up, man. Um, but that was pretty awesome when Joe Ingles went to the um, tape, or the Australian rules football. I've always said this. He is an Australian rules football player. That's who he is and what he is. Uh, he just happened to play basketball. <laughs> it's pretty funny because that's completely the approach he takes to this. Uh, 
and he it was awesome to see a bloodied and bandaged Joe Ingles um, battling. That shoulder shot was real last night. That shoulder shot um, was, a, was a big blow. I want to give a thought. Is there anything else left in last night's game that I'm forgetting? That was a that was a good win, by the way. Like I don't know, you know, it was interesting. I I I always have been very certain to make sure I don't let the vocal minority dictate things. But like I had a tweet and my tweet last night about what's wrong with this team and all of this and that, and it's like, whoa, dude. Like what's wrong? Like they're seven and six. They are five and two on the road. We're going to end up playing at one point this year. I think eight more road games. And we have home games. It's it's going to be tough to stay above five hundred. I mean, it would be really nice to find a way to sneak out a ball game against Dallas tomorrow, and then find a way to get one more on this trip and come back from the road trip above five hundred <clears throat> for your one game at home before two more on the road before one more at home before three more on the road. This is brutal. Um. By the way, Jay Crowder last night plus ten, like he just he just holds to his like plus minus every night. Rudy Gobert last night was plus fifteen. Pretty awesome. Uh, Mike Conley's always thought of as very highly. I think he's very good. I'm I. Uh, I don't think he's underrated at all. I always hear that. I th- I couldn't disagree with that concept more. I think he's perfectly rated. Um, he's, you know, I think he's, um, you know, he's a good point guard. I I interviewed him yesterday. I don't know if you heard the conversation on 1280 The Zone. Uh, we did a short one-on-one conversation and he talked about how, you know, they're so great at taking care of the ball and they don't turn it over. So you're right. he's right. In the five years he's been the point guard, not last five years, don't count last year, they've been top ten at not taking care of the ball. However, they've also only been above average offensively once. Like, I'm not proposing that you go around and throw the ball all over the gym, but I am kind of tired of, and I have been for years, of everyone always talking about, oh, the turnovers, the turnovers, the turnovers. Two things. One, what we talked about already, they, there are two totally different things between a live ball turnover and a dead ball turnover. So the fact that we char- characterize those as the same thing is asinine. The second thing is that there's just very little correlation between taking care of the ball and being a great offensive team. Number one turnover team in the league right now is San Antonio. They're 11th. Number two is Charlotte. They're fifth. Great. Number three is Boston. They're 21st offensively. Number four is Minnesota. They're 15th offensively. Number five is Orlando. They're 28th. Number six is Memphis. They're 22nd. Number seventh is Oklahoma City. They're 20th. And number eight is Detroit. They're 23rd. So the top eight turnover teams in the NBA Six of the eight are average or below. Okay, high turnover? Not great. You don't want to turn the ball over excessively. 
right? So Phoenix turns the ball over the most in their last, and Atlanta turns the ball over the second most, their second worst offense. And Dallas turns over 28th in their 18th in Miami. Okay, so there is a detriment to turning it over so much here. And we're 24th and we're 8th in the league. And the Lakers are 23rd and they're 10th in the league offensively. And the Warriors are 21st and they're 1st in the league. And the Clippers are in offense. And the Clippers are 20th in the league in turnovers and they're 7th. And Milwaukee's 19th in the league and they're 2nd. I can make a really strong argument that what you want to be is on the backside of average but not terrible. Let me say it again. Warriors are 21st in the league at taking care of the ball number 1 offensively. Bucks are 19th, they're second. Blazers are 16th, they're the fourth best offensive team. New Orleans is 15th, they're the sixth best offensive team. Clippers are 20th, they're the seventh best offensive team. We're 24th and we're the eighth best. You get obsessed with cutting down your turnovers like Mike Conley is and you neuter your offense. I think Mike Conley is detrimentally too conservative to his team. Today's show is brought to you in part by Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street. Great lineup of cars, super value, and you get the Murdoch family guarantee. The Murdoch family is going to do everything they can to make sure you get the best experience you can possibly get. And the Murdoch Hyundai line is just terrific. So they're located in Murray, 4646 South State Street. Linden and Logan, the Hyundai lineup of cars, if you do the analysis, what you'll see is for the features, nobody, and so features, safety for money. I don't think it can be beat. I'd love it if somebody can find it. Because when I did the analysis for the features we could get for the Hyundai Santa Fe, with the safety rating it had, we were paying considerably less money than anywhere else I was going. And so we bought the Hyundai Santa Fe. I've driven the Kona. That's the small SUV. Zippy, fun, I think if you're, you know, a family, it's probably not the right answer. The Tucson or the Santa Fe is. But if you're a single person or if you're looking for a car for a young adult, boom, that is an awesome winter car. If you're looking for a hybrid, I drove the Ionic, loved it. Uh, would tell you before you go do the automatic, I'm buying the Prius for my hybrid, go look at the Ionic. It's got great power. It was super gas mileage. I think it was better than the Prius. It got up and down the canyon with a lot of power. Really liked that car and had good space as well. And then there's the Sonata uh, and the Elantra in the sedan lineup. You got the Hyundai Assurance 100,000-mile guarantee as well. 46, 46 South State Street in Murray. Logan and Linden as well. And you've got the price match guarantee, car washes for life, safety inspection for life, and the return policy. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't 
feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I've tried everything, massages, chiropractors. This at-home device, handheld percussive therapy, has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. Okay, I wanted to bounce uh, something off you guys. Uh, this has actually been the number one thought on kind of what's going on in the league right now that I don't think other people have clicked into. I don't know if I've talked about it entirely yet, uh, but I think, and I've got some numbers to back it up, I think that Toronto is playing a money ball style differently than the rest of the league. What Toronto, I think, has done is told their best shooters they can shoot mid-range shots and Everyone can shoot threes. It used to be you only told your best shooters to shoot threes and had your best shoot, everyone to shoot mid-range and just your best shooters to shoot threes. Sorry, I said that backwards. But it used to be that you had only your best shooters shoot threes and your everyone else shot mid-range. They've done the opposite, and it's working. They're making 50% of their mid-range shots. Now, if you only take eight or nine a game, it, it, it's not that big a deal, but it's one extra make. Kawhi Leonard has taken 51 mid-range shots. He's shooting 50%. Serge Ibaka has taken 37. He's shooting 57%. Kyle Lowry's taken 21 long twos. He's making 62%. Plus, Serge has taken 43 paint non-restricted area. Uh, Leonard's taken 39. And they're letting Valanchunas take that close-in little post-up shot. Otherwise, OG Ananobi, who is not a good shooter at all, has taken 45 threes and three mid-range shots. CJ Miles has taken 44 threes and 15 mid-range or five mid-range shots. He's three of two of five. He's not a good mid-range shooter. Norman Powell, who's injured, had taken 24 threes and five mid-range shots. Pascal Siakam is not a good shooter. 24 threes, three mid-range shots. Fred Van Vliet is not a particularly great shooter. 42 threes, 10 mid-range shots. DeLon Wright's not a very good shooter. 15 threes, three mid-range shots. So what Toronto has done, in my book, is said mid-range is fine for you three guys because you're good at it. But if you're not a good mid-range shooter, it's such a bad shot, don't take it. It's worth worth looking into. Uh, L.A. Clippers, seventh best offensive team, eleventh best defensive team, beat the Warriors last night. Shea Gilgus Alexander is not Donovan Mitchell, but he's this year's pick. Everyone's going to regret. I told you this from the beginning of the year. Thirty-eight minutes last night, eighteen points, five rebounds, three assists. He's not a great playmaker yet. He's fabulously long. He's a super player. His three balls not fully developed. But he's six six. He's playing great. Uh, his we'll see how much that three lasts. I think he, you know he's forty one percent on the year. Won a game, uh, but 
and re- more recently he's a 36, but he's like 50% overall. He's getting on the cup. He's played 35, 40, and 38 minutes in the last three games. I told you all year long that the Clippers will be good the minute they start Shea Gilgis-Alexander and start playing Montrell's Harrell more than Marcin Gortat. They started Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Montrell's Harrell played 32 minutes last night, and Shea Gil- and Marcin Gortat has been not playing a great deal, played 21 minutes. They beat the Bucks and the Warriors in their last two games. They are 8-5. and five. Their losses are Denver at New Orleans, at Oklahoma City, at Philly, and at Portland. It's not just who their wins are. It's their losses all make sense. They're very, very good. That is today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Thanks very much for tuning in. Hope you're great. Got to run to practice. Got cut short a little bit here on the backside of the show, but I hope you enjoyed it. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.